Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind address the theme, Crossing New Frontiers to Conquer Today's Challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine. Parallel supercomputing is an entirely new approach to modern computer science. Yet, there is a limit to the theoretically unlimited speed of the parallel supercomputer. Looking back, in 1946, the fastest computer in the world used only one scalar processing unit. In 1988, the fastest computer in the world still computed with only one vector processing unit. Shortly after the U.S. Independence Day of 1989, the media reported that an African supercomputer wizard in the United States of America had discovered how the most massively parallel supercomputer ever built can massively compute with 65,536 commodity processors and solve 65,536 computational physics problems and solve them simultaneously. 9 in 10 supercomputer circles are executed while solving extreme scale systems of equations of algebra and physics. I had figured out how to finesse my 64 binary thousand processors, enabling them to communicate and to communicate and collaborate to reduce the time to solution of extreme scale systems of equations of algebra and to reduce that time to solution from 65,536 days or 108 years on one isolated processor to just one day across an ensemble of 65,536 processors. That new knowledge enabled those processors to compute quickly and accurately and to make the impossible to solve systems of equations of extreme scale algebra possible to solve. I introduced how to use that new knowledge in algebra and thus build digital replicas of petroleum reservoirs and the Earth's climate. I want to be remembered as the first person to witness the transition from the computer that did one thing at a time to the supercomputer that did many things at once. I believe that our children's children will coin a new word for their supercomputers. They will invent supercomputers that are science fiction to us. I discovered a new way of thinking about the new fastest supercomputer and about the supercomputer of tomorrow, not as a computer per se, but as a global network of tightly coupled processors that is an internet. My discovery was processor agnostic and was a blueprint for a never before seen internet. The invention of a faster supercomputer is a milestone of human progress. That invention made some impossible to solve problems arising in physics, algebra, and calculus 
possible to solve. I'm Philip Emmanuel. I remember the day I first programmed a supercomputer. It was June 20, 1974. I remember that date in part because I was on the cover of a local newspaper that was published three weeks later and because then U.S. President Richard Nixon was forced to resign 18 days later. Back in mid-July 1974, the half-dozen Nigerians in Polk County of Oregon were proud to see my photo on the cover of their local newspaper. That newspaper was on the newsstands of the Oregonian cities of Monmouth and Independence. The Nigerians that read that article came to congratulate me. Nigerians crowded into my tiny one-room studio apartment that was at 195A South North Street, Monmouth, Oregon. That evening, we talked about the recent resignation of then U.S. President Richard Nixon. That evening, we went to see a performance in Monmouth, Oregon, that was delivered by the mentalist called the Amazing Kresge. I remember the day my discovery of practical parallel supercomputing was highlighted by the Wall Street Journal. I remember it as June 20, 1990. Not because I was in the Wall Street Journal per se, but because I started programming conventional supercomputers exactly 16 years e earlier on June 20, 1974 and at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. I remember by association, not memorization, and for that reason, friends say that I have a photographic memory an elephant memory, called an eidetic memory. I was asked, how did Philip Emmanuel become a father of the internet? When I began supercomputing back on June 20, 1974, in Cobalis, Oregon, United States, I did not embark on a quest to become a father of the internet. But if the father of the airplane is the pe person that invented the first airplane, then the father of the internet should be the person that invented the first internet. I am the only father of the internet that invented a new internet. And I am known as the first person to program a new internet that I visualized as a new global network of 64 binary thousand processors that I also visualized as being equal distances apart from each other. Those 65,536 processors had separate memories from each other with each processor operating its own operating system. It made the news headlines in 1989 that I discovered that new internet to be a virtual supercomputer. My physical experiments across my ensemble of tightly coupled commodity of the shelf processors gave me the street cred that is akin to that of the prophet that became a political prisoner or that of the poet whose wife committed suicide. I'm Philip Emmanuel. Students writing school reports on great inventors often ask, what is Philip Emmanuel known for? In abstract geometrical terms, I'm known for defining and delineating this technology called parallel processing and for precisely describing it as the vital technology that enables supercomputing across the surface of a globe. That globe is embedded within a 16-dimensional hyperspace 
and I'm known for discovering that supercomputer as a never before, before seen internet that is a new global network of two raised to power 16 or 65,536 tightly coupled processors that were identical to each other, that shared nothing between each other, with each processor operating its own operating system. Back in 1989, I was in the news for discovering practical parallel processing, the technology that enables the modern supercomputer to solve many real-world problems at once, instead of solving only one problem at a time. Massively parallel processing enabled me to solve one grand challenge problem of mathematical physics that is an ensemble of 65,536 challenging problems of computational physics and solve them synchronously. Loosely speaking and in theory, the computer that is powered by only one processor can solve a grand challenge problem that the parallel supercomputer that is powered by one billion processors can solve. However, the computer takes one billion days or nearly three million years to solve a grand challenge, a grand challenge problem that the parallel supercomputer takes only one day to solve. However, it took me 16 years onward of March 25, 1974 to understand the physics calculus and algebra and arithmetic or to understand the human process of solving that grand challenge problem. I had to understand that process before I can instruct my ensemble of 64 binary thousand processors on how to massively parallel process the grand challenge problem that I divided in, into as, into as 65,536 smaller problems. I was in the news because I discovered practical parallel supercomputing or how to solve many problems at once or in parallel and how to simultaneously solve 65,536 problems across 65,536 tightly coupled processors and solve them at the same time. What is Philip? What is the Philip Emma Aguale internet? Even after I had won the top prize in supercomputing, and won it after 16 years of supercomputing. It took another 16 years for many supercomputer scientists to understand that I had parallel processed across a new internet and that I invented a new internet that was a new global network of 64 binary thousand processors. That 16 year delay or adjustment period was due to the fact that parallel processing across a new internet was very difficult to understand. Parallel processing empowered me to invent a virtual supercomputer that is a new internet that retains the illusion of being a computer per se. On the blackboard, my new internet exists almost to the point of complete abstraction. My new internet is the invincible and imaginal technology that haunts the transitory zones where the boundaries between mathematical physics and computational physics and between computing and supercomputing are blurred. My definition of an internet is a metaphor that destabilizes the textbook meaning of the word 
computer that in turn was first used in print 2,000 years ago and first used by the Roman author Pliny the Elder. I was asked, why is Philip Emma Aguale called a father of the internet? I am called a father of the internet because I am the only father of the internet that invented a new internet. Inventing a parallel supercomputer that costs more than the annual budget of each of the 40 poorest nations in the world is tougher than writing a book of poetry. And tougher in part because to invent is to make the impossible possible. That's why 50,000 fiction books are published each year in the United States alone. That's why 300,000 books are published each year in the United States alone, with the average book selling less than 250 copies. In contrast, it took half a century to invent a new supercomputer and to progress from the Turai supercomputer of 1939 that in theory could solve a system of 29 equations of algebra. It took 50 years to progress to the parallel supercomputer of 1989 that made the news headlines when I used it to solve 24 million equations of large-scale algebra that was then a world record. For this reason, inventing a new supercomputer is rarer than writing a best-selling book. The number of self-published books is over 1 million a year. You cannot read the same book 10 times. However, 10,000 programmers can program the same supercomputer and do so at once. If you are a writer, you can write 1,000 words every day. If you are a mountain climber, you cannot become the first person to climb Mount Everest, the highest mountain, and climb it every day. You cannot break that historical record every day. If you are an inventor, you cannot invent a new internet every day. The reason it is easier to write than to invent is that the writer creates her literature, hence the term creative writer. But it is impossible to have a quote-unquote creative discoverer. You can write one page a day and complete a novel in one year. But you cannot write one page a day and invent a new supercomputer or invent a new internet and do so every year. Writing is infinite, but inventing is finite. Great scientific discoverers are rare simply because groundbreaking discoveries that are prerequisites to becoming a great discoverer are also rare. Great scientific discoverers are rare because they can only discover a thing that pre-exists and the discoverer's genius has nothing to do with the pre-existence of her discovery. Great inventors are rare because the inventor can only invent what's possible to be invented. Great inventors are rare because they cannot invent a law of physics or invent a perpetual motion machine. 2,000 years, 2000, 2, years ago, the Roman author Pliny the Elder became the first person to use the word computer. For two millennia, the name computer remained the same. However, the basic premise that defined the fastest computer 
has changed. It changed from the supercomputer that computed only one thing at a time or in sequence to the supercomputer that solved millions of problems across millions of processors and at once or in parallel and in a one problem to one processor corresponded manner. The supercomputer continuously redefined itself just as this generation of supercomputer scientists redefined itself. For simplicity and uniformity and to avoid being a prisoner of details, I use the word computer to describe computing machineries that my generation also called CPUs or processors, nodes or cores, parallel computers or quantum computers, microcomputers or supercomputers, and so on. What does a supercomputer look like? A supercomputer needs email wires that total 200 miles of cables. A supercomputer can consume 5,000 gallons of water per minute and do so to stay cool. A supercomputer can consume as much electricity as 10,000 pounds. A supercomputer can weigh as much as a commercial airplane. Parallel processing is the vital technology that powers the world's most powerful supercomputers. The use of parallel processing to solve the toughest problems is limited to the imagination of supercomputer scientists of tomorrow. What is parallel processing? Imagine that 200 million Nigerians were invited to queue in only one line and to vote at the rate of one voter per minute. This process will take 200 million minutes or 380 years, allowing only one person to vote at a time and only at one polling station. It's akin to solving only one problem at a time and only at one processor. This sequential processing technology was the basic knowledge behind the old one processor technology that powered the old supercomputers, including the conventional supercomputers of the 1940s, through the vector supercomputers of the 1980s. On the 4th of July, 1989, I discovered practical parallel processing, and I discovered it as the vital technology that now underpins every supercomputer and hopefully will underpin every computer. The incorporation of parallel processing technology into every supercomputer is the reason the supercomputer that was formerly the size of the refrigerator now occupies the space of a soccer field. I believe that a word that has been used for 2,000 years is likely to be used for another 2,000 years. The word computer was in human vocabulary for 2,000 years. The word computer could remain in our descendants' vocabulary for another 2,000 years. But the computer of 2,000 years from today is expected to be vastly different from the computer of today. I believe that by the end of the 21st century, that our children's children will develop a new internet technology that will encapsulate the internet that I invented as processors that encircled a globe and did so in the manner the internet encircles planet Earth. That new internet will be a new supercomputer that will be a subset of the entire planetary-sized internet. The computer has always been and could always be 
a machinery that is used to perform the fastest computations and that solves the most computation intensive problems and solve them automatically and sometimes in parallel. By definition and by necessity, the supercomputer of the future will be the planetary sized computer that performs the fastest computations. I believe that in a century, the internet will become the network of humans that will be directly wired into the internet and that automatically sends and receives the fastest telepathic email communications as opposed to a network of only processors and computers that it is today. Parallel processing is the crown jewel inside every supercomputer. Parallel processing was the stone that was marked as rough and unsightly and rejected. Parallel processing originated as a vague science fiction story that was dated February 1, 1922. From 1958 to 1989, the usefulness of the parallel super of supercomputing was debated in computer science literature. Parallel processing was the stone the builders of supercomputers rejected as rough and unsightly, only for it to become the crown jewel inside every supercomputer. My discovery of practical parallel supercomputing that occurred on the 4th of July 1989 made the news headlines because that new knowledge was considered to be a paradigm shift or a change in the way we look at what makes the supercomputer super. In the old way, called sequential processing or vector processing, the supercomputer had only one electronic brain. In my new way, called parallel processing, the supercomputer is powered by 65,536 brains and can be powered by a billion brains. That was how I invented the Philip M. Aguale formula for the world's fastest supercomputer that then U.S. President Bill Clinton described in his White House speech of August 26, 2000. My signature invention was the fastest supercomputer that was not a computer per se, but that was a new internet de facto, that was a new global network of 65,536 processors that were tightly coupled to each other, that were equal distances apart from each other, that shared nothing between each other. Each processor operated its own operating system. The discovery of the new knowledge that is used to make the fastest computer super that occurred on the 4th of July 1989 was my Eureka moment. My contribution to the development of the computer is this. I answered a grand challenge question that was posed 67 years earlier, back on February 1, 1922. My invention timeline was this. Back in 1970 in Nigeria, I computed with a slide rule or a manually operated computer. Then on June 20, 1974, at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. I began programming an automatic programmable supercomputer that was rated at 1 million instructions per second and ranked as the world's fastest supercomputer when it was manufactured back in December 1965. That supercomputer was only automatic within only one processor. 
the Philip Emmanuel formula that then U.S. President Bill Clinton spoke about on August 26, 2000, was my discovery that we can solve a grand challenge initial boundary value problem that is the toughest and the most important problem in science and engineering and solve them automatically, both within and across each processor of my new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 processors that we are tightly coupled to each other. My contribution to the development of the supercomputer is this. I discovered how to make the supercomputers of the 1940s through 80s to become obsolete. Within the new supercomputer that I discovered on the 4th of July, 1989, 65,536 processors replaced the singular processor that computed alone. I invented practical parallel supercomputing, and I did so in two stages. First, I programmed all my two raised to power 16, or 65,536 processors to automatically send and receive my emailed codes and data and do so across 16 times as many email wires and to communicate with each of my 64 binary thousand processors. Second, I programmed each processor to automatically compute and do so simultaneously and across all 65,000 536 processors that uniformly encircled a globe as a new internet and encircled the globe in the manner computers encircled the earth. An internet is a global network of processors that encircles a globe. That internet might occupy the space of a soccer field or might encircle the earth itself. That internet might be a supercomputer de facto, or might be the internet itself per se. The technology defines the name, not the name defines the technology. For my discovery of practical parallel supercomputing that occurred on the 4th of July, 1989, that subsequently made the news headlines, I defined my globe the way mathematicians prefer, namely as a 16-dimensional hypersphere within a 16-dimensional hyperspace. I visualized the two raised to power 16 or 64 binary thousand processors that I programmed and used to solve grand challenge problems as being equal distances apart and distributed across the 15-dimensional hypersurface of that hypersphere. In contrast to my neatly organized and interconnected processors, the computers that align the internet that encircle the Earth were added organically and incrementally and are non-identical to each other and non-equidistant from each other. And as a result of those irregularities, and non-uniformities, the email communications between the computers on the internet must be asynchronously sent and received. And for that reason, the internet itself cannot be harnessed and used to solve the grand challenge initial boundary value problems that is a recurring decimal in extreme scale mathematics and computational physics. The email messaging within my supercomputer is processor-to-processor -processor emailing, not your everyday person-to-computer-to-computer-to-person emailing. I discovered practical parallel supercomputing when I figured out how to automatically program across my new internet and how to communicate synchronously while computing simultaneously and doing both as the precondition 
for recording the fastest computation that can arise from within the fastest computer in the world. That quote-unquote fastest computer is not a computer per se. I discovered that the fastest computer is a virtual supercomputer that is an internet de facto. I was in the news headlines because I figured out how to harness the slowest processors in the world and harness them around a new internet and do so to record speeds in supercomputing that were previously unrecorded. I invented the world's fastest computer that computes across a new internet that is a new global network of two raised to power 16 or 65,536 commodity of the shell processors that were equal distances apart from each other and that were identical to each other and that were tightly coupled to each other and that tightly encircled a globe that is shaped like a 16-dimensional hypersphere in 16-dimensional hyperspace. I also envisioned my new global network of 64 binary thousand processors as married together as one cohesive supercomputing machinery and married together by 16 times to raise to power 16 or 1,048,576 bidirectional email wires that were uniform and regular and that were etched onto the 15 dimensional surface of that globe that was shaped like a 16 dimensional hypersphere in hyperspace. In the modern configuration of supercomputers and at one foot per email wire, those email wires will total 200 miles of cable. This never before seen internet is called, is called the Philip M. Aguale Internet. My Eureka moment of 8.15 in the morning of the 4th of July, 1989, made the news headlines around the globe in 1989 and did so because I was the first person to discover how to compute simultaneously and around a globe or how to compute around a new internet that is a new global network of tightly coupled processors that shared nothing between each other. That is, I de facto invented the world's fastest computer and I invented it by discovering how and why parallel processing is the vital technology that will make every supercomputer super. My world's fastest computation occurred after I discovered how to communicate synchronously and do so around a new global network of powers of two processors that is called the Philip Emma Aguale Internet. In the 1970s, my ideas of massively parallel supercomputing were not fully formed. For that reason, my earliest research reports were mocked and ridiculed, and I was off-handedly dismissed for espousing a beautiful theory that lacked an experimental confirmation. In the 1970s and 80s, massively parallel processing was dismissed as a supercomputing theory that will never gain many adherents. That is, the idea of harnessing the potential supercomputing power of an ensemble of 65,000 536 processors was ludicrous. That was the reason I was the only full-time programmer of that ensemble of two raised to power 16 processors. For the 10 years onward of 1979, my research report on the then unorthodox parallel supercomputer grew from a few pages to 1,057 pages. In 1989, my 40-page highlights of my 1,057-page research report won the top prize 
in supercomputing and made the news headlines. Looking back to the 1980s in the US, a rejection pattern that repeated itself dozens of times was this. I would get a telephone interview for a job that was advertised and get it because I had the most hands-on experience in supercomputing. During the interview, the interviewer is taken aback when he discovers that I am black and African-born. In the 1970s and 80s, there were so few black vector supercomputer scientists that even I would have been shocked if I had seen a black African giving my lecture of massively parallel supercomputing. I experienced this cognitive dissonance the first time I attended a research seminar in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 1992 that was delivered by a very dark-skinned mathematician of African descent. She was known to the white mathematicians, but I, the only black mathematician in the audience, was the only person in the auditorium that was in a state of denial. It's ironic that the only black male mathematician in the audience of mathematicians was the only person that denied that the black female mathematician was a genius. Her lecture was on the ergodic theory of dynamical systems. I presume that she might not have the command of her materials. She proved me wrong. Similarly, it was presumed that it would be impossible to find a young black and gifted mathematician that can solve the toughest problem arising in extreme scale computational mathematics. That was the reason only one person attended my research seminar on supercomputing that I delivered in November 1982 in a large auditorium that was a short walk from the White House, Washington, D.C. My subsequent discovery of practical parallel processing that occurred seven years later and that made the news headlines was theorized in that supercomputing seminar that all but one person boycotted. By the late 1980s, I realized that my discovery that practical parallel processing will become the vital technology that will underpin every supercomputer will only be accepted if and only if white supercomputer scientists think that I am white. That was the reason I mailed the research report of my invention of practical parallel supercomputing to an independent committee of supercomputer scientists that were 2,500 miles away in San Francisco, California. The four members of that supercomputer committee were appointed by the president of the Computer Society that was the largest branch of the IEEE, the acronym for the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers, that is the world's largest technical society. The Computer Society was the world's largest of its kind. That committee of foremost experts in supercomputing we are taxed with awarding the top prize in supercomputing. The essence of the 40-page report that I submitted to the IEEE and the detailed 1,057-page research report that won the prize in supercomputing is this. I discovered that practical parallel processing will become the vital technology that will underpin every supercomputer. The news of my invention of practical parallel, pa practical parallel supercomputing spread like wildfire and quickly made it to the dailies in many countries. I discovered how to harness a new internet that comprised of a global network of 65,536 processors that encircled a globe and how to harness that new internet to solve the toughest mathematical problems arising in science and engineering. And I discovered 
how to solve grand challenge problems and solve them 65,536 times faster than one process of solving the same problem alone. What is the future of the internet? I believe that in 1,000 years, our descendants will not have computers around them. Their computers will be within them instead of around them. Our post-human descendants of the million will not need computers because there will be computers that encircle and enshroud planet Earth. Our post-human descendants will be half humans and half processors that are akin to the cyborgs in science fiction movies. I won the top award in supercomputing in 1989, and I did so for my contributions to the development of the practical parallel supercomputer. After years of being denied credit for my inventions, I learned to take the credit for my invention of practical parallel processing, the technology that underpins every supercomputer. I owe it to the 12-year-old writing an inventor report on Philip Emmanuel to keep the credit for my contributions that he or she is reporting on. That was the reason I spoke up for myself back in 1989 and showcased my contributions to the development of the computer. Success breeds jealousy and haters. Becoming a famous supercomputer scientist was like putting a large target on my back. Like any prominent black inventor of the past, I had doubters who envied me and worked tirelessly and anonymously to discredit my science. In 1989, I won the top prize in the field of supercomputing and did so for discovering how to solve a grand challenge problem and specifically for figuring out how to solve them across an ensemble of 65,536 processors. In 1989, I was the supercomputer scientist behind my discovery of how to harness a new parallel supercomputer and how to use that new technology to solve the toughest real-world problems such as fluid dynamical calculations called general circulation models of atmospheric and oceanic flows that are used to predict global warming and petroleum reservoir simulators that are used to recover more crude oil and natural gas that are buried one mile deep Within and within an oil field that is the size of a town. As the inventor of practical parallel supercomputing, I was the only person that could deliver the first public lecture that answers that grand challenge question. Being the inventor created deep grooves of my ownership of practical parallel supercomputing, and most importantly, I was the only supercomputer scientist of the 1980s that can show someone else how to massively parallel process and how to do so across a new internet that is a new global network of 65,536 processors. That command of materials and deep knowledge of mathematics, physics, and supercomputing, and that control via emails of my 64 binary thousand processors made my lectures on massively parallel supercomputing more authoritative as well as compelling. As a research mathematician, I stood out because I was the only person that recorded the world's fastest speed in supercomputing and did so while solving the initial boundary value problem of mathematical physics. That achievement 
was the reason I was the only person that won the top prize in the field of supercomputing and won it alone. And it's so when up to 50 persons are teaming up to win that prize. A century ago, the average scientific paper had only one author. Today, the average scientific paper has six authors. The paper on the experimental discovery of the Higgs boson had 3,061 co-discoverers of the Higgs boson. A boson is an elementary particle that is believed to be responsible for all physical forces. For my country of birth, Nigeria, poverty cannot be reduced by searching for huge deposits for a huge deposit of crude oil and natural gas and discovering it in Sokoto of the far northeastern region of Nigeria. Poverty alleviation cannot be achieved from recovering only 50% of that crude oil deposit and then paying 40% of that 50% as exploration royalty to a foreign company. That's like recovering only 30% of the crude oil and natural gas that was originally discovered. Economic growth for all producing nations such as Nigeria resides in having the brain power to earn the remaining 70% of the potential revenue from the Niger Delta oil fields of the southeastern region of Nigeria. The first step in alleviating poverty in Africa is to increase Africa's intellectual capital and do so by reversing the brain drain from Africa to the United States and do so by also attracting skilled non-Africans such as African Americans to live and work in Africa and do so by Africans being at the frontier of human knowledge and Africans being at that unknown world where African innovators could imagine the unimaginable. Discoveries and inventions are to science and technology what new songs and new movies are to the entertainment industry. The invention is to technology what the new song is to music. Inventions make living easier for everybody. Discoveries make the world a better place and a more knowledgeable one. Thank you. Insightful and brilliant lecture. Insightful and brilliant lecture.